Thank you very much, Chair. We are live and staff is ready when you are. Great, thank you. Good evening and welcome to the Monday, May 9th, 2022 Sacramento Community Police Review Commission meeting. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll and establish quorum? Yes, thank you, Chair. Members at this time, if you can, please unmute and turn on your video. Commissioner Guerrero. Present. Commissioner Carter is absent at this time. Commissioner Alcara. Present. Commissioner Falcone. Present. Commissioner Marion is absent. Commissioner Espinoza Salazar is absent. Commissioner Williamson. Present. Commissioner Jefferson is absent. Vice Chair Bliss. Here. Chair Castillo-Krings? Here. Thank you. We do have quorum. Thank you, Blair. Okay, moving on with our agenda. The meeting is virtual via Zoom. For members of the public who wish to join, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and you wish to speak, raise your hand to provide public comment when the chair confirms that the public comment speaking period for your desired item. If you are online, click on raise hand on the bottom of the screen. If you are using a mobile app, in the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. If you are calling in via telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine, then unmute or mute, dial star six. Speakers will be called by the last four digits of their phone number. You will have two minutes to speak once you are called. We will now proceed with today's agenda. We will move to our land acknowledgement. Please rise for the opening acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisi Non people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, the Putwin, Wintu peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federal recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk besides us on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing. We are now going to continue with the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Great. So we're going to move on to updates. For our chair's report, I don't have at the moment um, any additional conversations I need to report. So next thing moving on, we are gonna talk about the Office of Public Safety Accountability update. Is there an update? And OPSA? this is Mary Appler from OPSA. Uh, Dr. Watson was on this call uh, about two minutes ago, but it appears she dropped off. If you can, uh, uh, I guess no update from OPSA 
Uh, but if I hear anything different, I'll let you know. Thank you for your patience. Great. I see Commissioner Bliss has his hand up. Yeah, uh, I was hoping to ask um, Dr. Watson and OPSA a couple of questions. Um, part of it's related to their uh, activities report. Um, if Dr. Watson isn't here or um, if someone can answer some of those, that'd be fine. But one of my top or two of the questions I wanted to know are um, I wanted to ask around the inspector general. Um, I know that uh, he operates under the under the director Watson and uh, uh, is technically like, you know, within the chain, I guess, at OPSA. But I wanted to just know what are the latest investigations that are before the uh, uh, the inspector general right now? Um, just wanting to get a status update on what he might be doing. Commissioner Bliss, this is Dr. Watson. I'm here. Um, you said that you were wanting to update on um, the IG, uh, Mr. White. Yes. Um, his um, activities are, are still the same. Every time there is any uh, community member that's involved in a serious bodily injury incident or an officer-involved shooting, uh, he does a concurrent investigation along with the police department and the DA's office. And then when there's not anything that happens as far as uh, critical incidents, he reviews police cases as well. Got you. Um, I'm curious to know if he has any uh, open investigations uh, related to officer-involved shootings uh, that are before him that he's still reviewing at this time. Oh, yes. Uh, he has multiple uh, because, you know, those investigations can go anywhere from one year to three years. So um, he arrived here in April of 2021. Um, and so he, if I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on this, but he probably has four uh, since, since he's arrived here. But I'll get that exact number for you. Um, and so what he does is um, just as the police department does, he's waiting on forensics and, and all types of information before he can conclude his investigation as far as what occurred on those incidents. Mm. That's good to hear. Yeah, I think it would be nice uh, when uh, uh, when possible if OPSA could provide just an update on like what the, uh, you know, on any active investigations that the IG is doing and uh, when they those might be resolved uh, as that be interest or that be of interest, I think, to our commission. Okay, we'll make sure that um, we have the actual numbers uh, for the next meeting as well as um, how many uh, cases um, he actually reviewed for 2021 and then so far up to date for 2022 because I have those tracking mechanisms in place as well. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, the other question I wanted to ask was around um, the latest um, information around the Truth Reform and Reconciliation Project. Um, mm -hmm. I'm aware that it was before the Budget and Audit Committee earlier this year, but uh, I haven't heard anything about it since, so I wanted to check with you to see if there are any updates. Yes, um, staff should be uh, getting that on the agenda for council in June to see if we can get final approval. Um, it went through uh, the budget and audit committee for the additional funds that reconciliation costs with this firm, and uh, it was unanimous for a budget and audit, so now it's time to present it uh, to the full council to see if they will approve it, and then um, should it be approved, then we have you on the follow-up log where you want a, a presentation about what, what all it is and what it involves. Wonderful. I appreciate that. Um, and a couple of questions around um, the activities. I, uh, 
uh, would or around the recent activities reports that you uh -huh. put out and uh, just some clarifications. Um, I wanted to know what are the determining factors for uh, OPSA finding allegations as unfounded? Well, what you mean is probably is, is that when we review a completed case from either professional standards or the police department, that's one of the findings when they complete their investigation as far as um, exonerated, um, sustained, not sustained, and unfounded. So the determiner of the finding is with the entity that's investigating it. What OPSA does is, is to uh, re um, review everything for every case that we can. Um, and what I mean by that is for fire department, we review 100% of every allegation of misconduct. We don't have the staffing to review every allegation of misconduct for police. Um, so it, we have to pay attention to what comes in and determine which ones we will review and which ones we will not review. Um, and once that is done, um, we look at what they have determined and determine whether or not we, we agree or we disagree. If we disagree with it, we send it back talking about why. Um, what, it, what is the reasoning for why we're saying that it shouldn't be um, exonerated or not sustained or sustained or unfounded? Um, some go back and some don't. Um, and so those, I think you're talking about the quarterly reports. On yeah. the quarterly reports, um, I can't think of what page, but it'll tell you um, for that quarter what the cases were that we had an issue with. Mm -hmm. And that's new to, to, to OPSA. I want to make sure that it's understood what cases, the percentage of cases that we're reviewing that's coming in, and then if we have issues with them and what is the result of having issues with, with the investigation. Got it. Yeah, because I, I, I am curious on like, you know, what are the, like, how is a case determined as unfounded versus like exonerated? Exonerated, I understand if like, you know, with review of the full, like, you know, of the full amount of evidence, um, that, you know, there was no violation that took place unfounded in my, it, like, in my recollection is entailing of like, there is no, like, you know, there wasn't enough information to, uh, sustain a, um, uh, like an allegation, which I believe there is like, you know, sustained allegations, um, is like, so is it basically the same as unsustained or is it, or I, I that's what I'm kind of trying to understand of like the difference between exonerated versus unfounded. It'd probably be easier instead of me um, providing you a summary of, uh, in my words, what it is. And we go off of um, the police departments and the fire department's exact definition. That way you're not confused by me summarizing what it is that I anticipate that it is. So what I'll do is um, I'll get those exact definitions of what they go by when they investigate um, their allegations of misconduct so you can understand it. Um, I believe our previous reports may have even had it, but I don't think we have it in there at this time. So we might need to, to add that back in there. So if you need to refer back to it, it's at the top of that page. So you can see what each one of them is. I appreciate that. No problem. I have no more questions. Chair Castillo Krings, did you have anything? You're on mute, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> After two years, huh? Um, Director Watson, is there an update for OPSA or, or Mary? I heard Mary say that there wasn't one. No, no update for OPSA right now. Great, well, thank you. 
The next item is the Sacramento Police Department staff update. Is there an update? Yes, good evening. Uh, two updates for the commission. The Gender Diverse Persons General Order uh, with the recommendations from the ad hoc committee is uh, still under final review. Uh, once final review has occurred, we will be able to submit back to the commission along with a document in writing outlining uh, which recommendations, final recommendations we were able to take and which ones we were not able to take and why. And the same is true of the media relations policy with the document that we just received from you, uh, Chair uh, uh, Castillo-Krinks. And we will do the same thing with a uh, finalized version along with in writing updates on uh, what we could accept and what we were not able to move forward on. Thank you, Lieutenant. And do you have a time period as to when we should expect that update on both of those I, items? I, I do not have a time period. Uh, there are obviously a lot of entities that, are, that can be involved with policy review, including the uh, SPOA and uh, the city attorney's office and with uh, many different folks involved. It would be disingenuous if I gave you a time frame. I appreciate that. So we will continue to follow up with you. Thank you. Yes. Great. So those are our updates. The next item on the agenda Madam, is- Madam Chair, I'm sorry, oh, I have a so question. Sorry, Commissioner. Commissioner. Sorry, Madam Chair, I had a question for Lieutenant Galliano, if I may. Of course. Actually, not so much of a question. I, I just wanted to, I couldn't let this uh, opportunity pass by. I just wanted to thank SACPD and um, just say that, um, at least from my perspective, this really shows a difference in the relationship um, and response from SACPD. Um, I was going to ask about those two policies and um, I just think that uh, the, what uh, Lieutenant Galliano uh, just proactively uh, let us know that two policies that um, I was particularly um, going to ask about, um, that the response to us is still being worked on and that um, when the responses come, that our recommendations uh, uh, will, be, will include, uh, at least their feedback will include what they accepted and, and the items that they did not and why. I just wanna highlight that. I think that that's really amazing. That's what I think um, we've been asking for in the past in a way. Uh, and I just, I wanted to highlight that. I think that's really great of SACPD and it, it bodes well for trust in the community. Um, it shows that we're working well together. And um, I just, I, I can't say enough to say thank you very much. Um, that's greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you. So now moving on to our consent item or items. Madam Clerk, are there, um, actually we won't, let's go ahead and move on to the consent item in front of you. We have both the approval of our uh, committee commission, I'm sorry, our commission meeting minute meeting. Oh, I am having trouble today. I needed another cup of coffee. Um, and also we have the follow-up log. Any questions on those items? One question I have. List? One question I have around uh, the follow-up log was um, I had remembered uh, requesting a presentation uh, from SACPD around its um, 
general hiring practices uh, or just hi like, you know, it's hiring process uh, for new officers. And what um, was wanting a presentation I requested, I believe uh, it was in January or December, but I'm not seeing it still on the um, follow-up log. So I wanted to see if that request has been logged and uh, or still logged somewhere. And if uh, 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 SPD will be able to present on that um, at some point in our, next, uh, in our coming meetings. Yes, I do apologize for the delay in sending a response in writing. Uh, we will get that over as soon as possible. We're still working on a, a crucial piece of the follow-up, which is our uh, video, which is going to be the uh, publicly releasable recruitment video. Um, SPD has not yet uh, decided to return back to the classes the commission was asking about, um, the in-person classes that we were doing. We had ceased to get the attendance we needed to uh, make them viable uh, after COVID and before COVID. They were just, we weren't really getting much. So it's a little bit of an overhaul along with some new folks in that uh, program and division. But thank you for the reminder and I will get uh, an update uh, shortly, as soon as I can. Thank, Thank you, you, Commissioner Bliss, for bringing that up. Any other uh, questions or comments from other commissioners? Great. Uh, thank you, Lieutenant Galeano, for staying on top of that. And if there's no one else from the commission that wishes to speak, Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. At this time, I have no members of the public with their hands raised to make comment on the consent calendar. Thank you. Is there a motion on so the consent moved. calendar? So moved. Second. Great. Second. Great. So will the clerk please call the roll? Yes, thank you, Chair. I May I please confirm for the record the motion was made by? Commissioner Mary. Commissioner Mary, and thank you very much. And our second is by Commissioner Guerrero. Again, members, please unmute and turn on your video. Commissioner Guerrero? Aye. Commissioner Carter is absent. Commissioner Alcara? Aye. Commissioner Falcone? Aye. Commissioner Marion? Aye. Commissioner Espinoza Salazar is absent. Commissioner Williamson? Aye. Commissioner Jefferson is absent. Vice Chair Bliss? Yes. And Chair Castillo-Kriggs? Aye. Thank you very much. That motion passes. Great. Thank you. Now we proceed on to our discussion calendar. So item three is on the discussion, and this is on the Sacramento Police Department military equipment policy. And just to give the public a bit of an overview, so last year, the legislature passed AB 481, which basically required that any type of, um, they basically that all police departments had to have an actual policy that had to be approved by the city council before they actually purchased any type of equip military equipment from the Department of Justice. They've been able to do, that in, do this in the past, but in the spirit of increasing transparency and for the communities to have an, a voice as to how and what is purchased, this was very critical. So. In December, the police department went to the city council to get the first approval of the ordinance. There is a revision that they're asking for feedback on. And we found out that they actually presented to 
the City Council's Law and Legislation Committee on March 29th. This policy is not yet official. They will be adopting it later this year. But again, one of the things that we would love to be able to do is provide feedback and also allow the public to provide feedback on a lot of the general orders and, and policies that are being generated as by the police department. So one of the things we have is an actual, we're gonna be streaming the presentation that the police department gave to the law and legislation committee on March 29th for us to kind of look at this presentation. And the reason this is so important is when that presentation happened, that was on a Tuesday at 10 a.m. And as we all know, many working families don't have the opportunity to take time from work and watch this. So, so given that our commission meeting is now, we figured that it was in the public's interest to have this presentation given to them again. So with that, I'm passing this over to Commissioner Bliss. Thank you for bringing this up to our attention. Uh, I am just getting this uh, started here. Hold on one second. Can everyone see my screen? We can. Just an update to the commission while Commissioner Bliss um, is getting that together. This is Commissioner Marion. Unfortunately, I had a death right before this meeting in my family, so I will be signing off here soon and just want to make note of that. I'm so sorry, Dolan's. Commissioner Bliss may ask how much of this uh, presentation we're going to uh, uh, have. It looks like an hour and 23 minutes. Uh, not on, This is for the full meeting. Uh, we're only watching this particular item for item two. And um, I believe that shouldn't take more than um, 25 to 30 minutes, I believe. Okay. Thank, thank you, Commissioner Bliss. Great. You're, you're on. Okay. Um, my name is Norm Leong, your Deputy Chief of Police, and we are coming before Long Ledge today to uh, update an ordinance um, that the council approved as an emergency ordinance back on December 14th of uh, As you may recall, AB 481 required us to uh, enact an ordinance um, and approved by the governing body for specified equipment deemed military use. And um, when we did so back in December, we omitted four items. Um, each of those items are similar to items already approved, but function slightly differently uh, than those items um, already approved. Um, the four items that we are adding to the policy are um, a flashbang, uh, which is a distraction uh, disorientation device used primarily in this case uh, for hostage rescue situations, ammunition that's for armor piercing when we engage a suspect that um, is armed um, and also wearing body armor, um, and then two um, unmanned un, uh, aerial vehicles, uh, one of which is what we call a micro that we use in the other, a, uh, a UAV that uh, hovers over locations uh, that we have a legal right to do so, uh, such as search warrants and stuff. Um, we anticipate having to, both by law, come before 
Long Ledge and Council um, once a year with a annual report, as well as when we purchase new items uh, or replenish items uh, that were already approved. With that, uh, I'll turn it back over. Okay, Madam Clerk, do we have members of the public who wish to speak on this? Yes, Chair, I have four hands raised to make public comment on this item. Okay, let's go ahead and hear from those individuals. And if I may, I do have a read to the record um, in regards to the ordinance. Ordinance section 1C states the ordinance was submitted to the City Council on March 22nd, and the correct date is March 25th. So a minor change. Okay. So we our can first, make that change. Our first speaker is Lois Melher. Maybe Louise. Louise. Louise Melher, if you'll unmute. I, I just realized that I had to unmute myself. So I've done that now. Can you all hear me? Yes, please proceed. Okay, so good afternoon now, and thank you for this opportunity to comment. My name is Mailer, and I live at the very edge of the downtown grid, where I was recently redistricted into Katie Valenzuela's district, for which I am grateful. I just want to say that I find this process disturbing. I'm disturbed that it's happening at the last minute, that it is adopting the police regulation wholesale without any apparent civilian oversight and without information on the actual uses that have been made in the past of you know, the subject equipment. I don't suppose there's much to do about it right now, but when the reports are made, I hope that they are complete, that they indicate when these pieces of equipment are deployed and not only when the, the, it proceeds to actual violence and that the city council will take this opportunity for a very careful review of how these things are actually being used and whether they really are the best uses of city funds and authority. That's all. Thank you. Next speaker is Barb Atwell. Yes, hi, uh, can you hear me okay? We can. Great, uh, I'm Barb Atwell. I'm working with the American Friends Service Committee on Use Policies, and I have three concerns today. Uh, many of the uh, policies adopted by the police department describe only the authorized users of the equipment, and we need to have as part of this law um, describe exactly what it is used for. That's the first one. The next one is that we do not conform to the new state law a, AB 480, which limits the police use of tear gas and other kine uh, kinetic impact projectiles. Um, the, what I, the reason I'm saying that is that in the description of your um, users, there's no restriction whatsoever on the use of tear gas. So that is um, in violation of AB 48. And the last one, and this is just to make sure we get it right, is that AB 481 requires that the city council determine that the military equipment will safeguard the public's welfare, safety, civil rights, and civil liberties. The long range acoustic device policy does not uh, conform to that standard. And I just wanna raise that as a concern. I'll yield my time, thank you. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Marshall Arnwine. 
Yes, can you hear me? We can. Good afternoon. My name is Marshall Arnoir, and I work for the ACLU of Northern California in our Sacramento office as our legal policy advocate. We're urgently requesting city council to reject SPD's military equipment use policy because it does not comply with AB 481. AB 481 requires law enforcement to describe the purpose and authorized use for each type of military equipment. SPD's policy currently does not do so. An example of non-compliance can be found on SPD's policy on page 19, subsection 13, titled Chemical Agent and Smoke Canisters. This section violates state law AB 48. AB 48 is a separate state law which outlines how chemical agents are authorized to be used. SPD's policy has broad language on when this chemicals agents can be used. For example, it provides language that states chemical agents can be used based on five listed scenarios, but it suggests that the chemical agent use is not limited to those five circumstances. The phrase not limited to makes the list of authorized uses meaningless, since it suggests that authorized uses are limitless. AB 48 sets a standard that chemical agents to disperse gatherings only be used to defend against a threat to life or serious bodily injury to any individual or to bring an objectively dangerous and unlawful situation safely and effectively under control. AB 48 should be included in the SPD's military equipment use policy for the chemicals agent's purpose and authorized use. In conclusion, AB 481 provides city council 180 days from the time the SPD submitted the policy to review. So we urge city council to oppose today's policy because there are changes in the policy that must be implemented. There is no emergency to accept the policy today. Please use the allocated time to thoroughly review each equipment's purpose and authorized use. ACLU NorCal is available as a resource to collaborate with you in these efforts. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Jennifer Tu. Thank you. This is Jennifer Tu with the American Friends Service Committee, and I want to follow what the uh, previous speakers had said. Um, Barb Atwell had mentioned the LRAD, the Long Distance Acoustic Device, um, and I wanted to remind everyone that the New York Police Department uh, recently had to restrict uh, their use of the LRAD because of a lawsuit which caused uh, New York City $750,000. Uh, so that's one thing I wanted to, to remind everyone in addition to uh, to, to the points about uh, how uh, it, it may be, be used and how it may be defined. The other thing that I uh, wanted to, uh, to remind everyone is that um, the, the previous speakers have pointed out some of the deficiencies uh, in the proposed proposal. Uh, and so that includes uh, the authorized use, uh, who may uh, use equipment uh, rather than what it's used for, um, and also the, uh, the, the failures to address uh, the limitations uh, brought by AB 48. Um, as a re reminder to everyone, AB 481 does uh, offer a lot of uh, a lot of time and flexibility for for uh, jurisdictions to uh, address any kind of shortcomings that come um, in any kind of proposals. Uh, so there is no urgency to uh, to approving this, but uh, the council does have time to fully consider uh, what is being presented and offer feedback uh, before making a decision. Um, I would urge you to not make that decision to approve today. Uh, please reject and, uh, and send back for, for correction. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker is Diane Rosenblum. Thank you, can you hear me? We can. 
Yes, I am a resident of Sacramento. I live in the Curtis Park neighborhood. Um, I agree with many of the, the previous speakers and would like to add a few things. One is um, that um, the long range acoustic devices, um, which are supposedly um, a devices used for hailing crowds, speaking to crowds at a long distance, can also issue a very loud high pitched warning uh, tone that can lead to permanent hearing da damage. And there is nothing written into here about ways that it cannot be used, only in ways that it may be used. And I hope that that is not how the city considers safeguarding the public's welfare since it can be heard in long distances. In addition, many of the things that are owned by the police department, uh, the, the, um, the, the kinetic devices, energy projectiles, the chemical agents, when they are used in crowds and the police cannot see if there are small children there, other people who are not noticing, um, and that are nearby, this is a very dangerous thing. And it really, really needs to be written in the ways that it cannot be used. Uh, certain kinds of demonstrations. And again, that's in uh, line with AB 48. Um, very important that it not be used for dispersing crowds because that can be an awful, awful situation. And I also hope that um, they'll also write into it about deployments. For instance, when uh, you're bringing an armored vehicle into um, a neighborhood just to catch one criminal, what are the um, implications of that in an emotional way for the residents of that neighborhood? And what are, uh, so any deployment should be, um, whether it's used or not, should be listed. And I do, again, uh, encourage along with everyone else for it to be revised before it's accepted. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker is John Lindsay Poland. And this is our final speaker on this item. Uh, good afternoon, can you hear me? We can. Hi, I'm John Lindsay Poland with the American Friends Service Committee. We work closely with the authors of uh, AB 41. And I want to second uh, what previous speakers have said. You have time to have this uh, policy be uh, made adequate to AB 41 to send it back. You have 180 days. It's important to do it right. The policies should not authorize unlimited use. That's the whole point of having authorized use and purpose within the policy for each type of equipment. It should state when it's not okay. And I think you're hearing from the community that there are some circumstances when it's not okay. The department is likely to agree to that because it gives the department and officers guidance about when it's okay and when it's not okay. So for example, is there a requirement for de-escalation attempts to be made before this equipment is deployed? That may exist in other parts of department policy, but if it's not referenced here where the equipment is, where the guidance for the equipment actually lives, then it doesn't really have any meaning. Similarly, you can say this will abide by state law, but if it doesn't reference what AB 48 says about limitations on the use of chemical agents and impact projectiles in crowd control, then it doesn't really have any meaning because crowd control is an explicit use of those things um, in, the, in the current policy. It's up to you as the Board of Supervisors, uh, I'm sorry, as the City Council, in order to really put these, respond to the community concerns and ensure that the department has real guidance in this and not just 
unlimited use uh, authorized for it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you to the members of the public who, who spoke on this item. Um, Deputy Chief, why, why don't we give you an opportunity to address a couple of things uh, before we turn to members of the committee, specifically around timing and conformance with state law. Um, so I'll, I'll reference that we do have policies, other policies that uh, direct when we can utilize force, including in um, civil unrest and uh, First Amendment activities uh, that is separate from this military use policy. But I will defer to the city attorney's office for clarification on what 481 uh, mandates and does not mandate. Is that our city attorney now? And while, while Mr. Itagaki is getting ready here, could you talk about the timing of this? Is there an urgency? Yeah. So our conservative interpretation, which is why we came before the whole council on December 14th, is that we had to get a ordinance um, in place before January 1st of 2021. There is many police agencies still uh, trying to interpret what the law says and what that deadline was. Some agencies believe um, that May 1st is that deadline. Out of abundance of transparency and caution, we use the January 1st deadline. What we're coming before you again today, and we will annually at minimum, is uh, updating the policy with four items we did not include. The timeline for this is that if it were to go pass law and led today, that we would go sometime after 30 days from when council was notified, which we were notified on March 25th. So sometime after that, we would be, go before the entire council um, for approval. Um, using what the secondary, uh, more kind of other interpretation of May 1st, that is the deadline for police agencies to have a policy approved and in place in order to continue use of all the equipment listed. If we don't get approval by then, then we will not be able to utilize any of that equipment. Okay, Mr. Itagaki. Hi, sir. Can you hear me? This is Kurt Wendler. I represent the police department with the city attorney's office. I believe Steve is on another matter. No, um, Steve, Steve is here. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that he's appearing, I believe, on another item. I'm here to assist uh, on this particular item. I'm with the okay. city. Um, in regards to the, the caller's references within uh, or with regard to the 180-day timeline, that is accurate. I mean, the, the process is set out to make sure that city council and the community have an opportunity to participate in dialogue leading up to the acquisition or use of any equipment. That 180 days is set up via the statute in a manner to make a deadline to ensure that the governing body, et cetera, work in correlation with the department to either approve or disapprove. Should no action occur at that 180 day threshold, then you have a scenario where theoretically there would be a prohibition on use of any of the equipment. Um, if there are any particular questions that you or any other members have, uh, please let me know. All right, why don't we go to the committee and then we'll come back with specific questions. Mr. Harris, you had your hand up first. Yeah, thank you, Chair. Um, 
Kurt, when did the clock start running on 180 days, and how does that relate to the ordinance that we adopted in December? So the 180 days initiates at the submission. So the law is drafted in a manner to start the clock when the LEA, the law enforcement agency, initiates the legislative process. So what I would do is I would say it initiates at the day that the policy was presented to council. At this juncture, it might be March 25th. So if it was provided in another manner, likewise, I would count the clock back to that submission date. The 180 days provide for the legislature's attempt to provide for scheduling on the council agenda, as well as any discussions that the police department might have with the community. Okay, well, that's still not exactly clear to me, nor maybe you can answer this question. If there's 180 days for consideration, um, that means that you would not go without this equipment or a prohibition would not be levied until that period expired. But if I understand you correctly, you would like to place uh, th these components, you would like to be able to use them as soon as possible. Is that correct? Currently, we are not utilizing the equipment. So we've grounded, um, for instance, the A85 uh, mini uh, UAVs that we use inside. We have not been able to utilize that. Uh, we have two alternative ones that we have to share amongst a whole bunch of officers that would otherwise search an interior and possibly alleviate human-to-human -human, uh, interaction in a confrontational manner. Yeah. Well, you know, I just had a full briefing on the UAS systems and what they are doing for the police force in terms of uh, preventing loss of life, both of civilians and police officers. And these are tremendous tools for our PD. I'm a, a big believer in the, in the deployment of these and for the micros to be, to be able to go inside very sensitive situations. I think this is a tool that PD needs to have as soon as possible. Uh, that being said, the other items I don't have concerns about, and I am happy to move the staff recommendations one and two to move this to council for, for further consideration. Great. Council Member Valenzuela. Thanks, Chair. Um, so, uh, Deputy Chief Leong, I have a quick question because I saw in this report that you say that you provided this policy 30 days before we voted on this in December 14th. And I'm telling you, I've searched my email and records high and low and can't find that. Um, can you confirm how and when that was delivered to us before the December hearing? Yeah, so the, we, we did the same council member and we also could not. Um, okay. But what we did find was that um, in like December, uh, seventh, something was sent to our area captains to then meet with council members uh, before it hit the council agenda. And yeah. um, I think it's a fair assessment that we um, tried to quickly put this emergency ordinance with that January deadline in mind. Um, and, and we learned from that process. And um, what's evident today is that we omitted four items that should have been included in the December uh, council uh, ordinance that was not included. And along with that, um, I think we also learned that we have to send a direct 
um, email to counsel with the policy uh, 30 days before uh, it appears on your guidance calendar. And okay. that was a learning lesson, Councilman. No, I appreciate that. Thank you for answering that because I was like, I must have missed it, but I'm glad that I didn't miss anything here. Um, so I'm just doing a plain text reading here of 481 in the section specifically on timing, right? And so what it says here is no later than May 1st, 2022, a law enforcement agency seeking to continue use of any military equipment that was acquired prior to January 1st, 2022, shall commence a governing body process, approval process in accordance with this section. And that's when the 180 day things comes in. So for me, it seems super clear on the reading of this law that nothing prevents you from using this equipment while we are considering adoption of this policy. And that all we really need to do was to initiate that 180 day process before May 1st. Is that your interpretation as well? Uh, if, if I may, council member, this is uh, Kurt with the city attorney's office, uh, normal. I can defer to you if you'd like, but if I can add some clarification to uh, your your question and what Councilmember Harris indicated. You are absolutely right that I believe it's subsection uh, A2 uh, discusses the May 1 deadline. Um, the academic discussion that is currently taking place up and down the state, the state is that subsection prior to that, A1, is talking about the need for approval by the governing body prior to acquisition and use. So again, I would defer to the department on policy determination, but right now there are a host of agencies up and down the state that are relying on the main one deadline, but there is not a prohibition to initiate the process prior. But as you and council member Harris uh, appropriately recognized the 180 days once that legislative process has been initiated internally with the city, that 180 days, in fact, does legally create, um, for lack of better words, a safe harbor. Usage can take place during that period. Um, and, uh, and I apologize for not getting to that earlier for Mr. Harris. So that's, that's how it is. So there's nothing, and just to reiterate what I think you're saying to make sure that it's super clear, there's nothing that keeps Sac PD from using any of the equipment they currently have while we're considering this policy within the 180 day window. Yes. Okay. Thank you. So I have another question for you, city attorney, while you're here and off mute, because I'm curious why this is actually repealing and replacing the prior ordinance. Um, and so can you explain a little bit the process there? Yeah. Yes, yes, and thank you for the question. It is quite uh, complex and convoluted. The state law requires um, on an annual basis that this policy be re-reviewed um, by council. Now, that's at the most extreme, meaning that if the police department within that calendar year or a year from submission chose to supplement their uh, inventory, they would come to you again for authorization prior to use. So what the state law is doing is, is setting up a, a overall framework to ensure that again, that council is engaging uh, with the police department. Now, trying to think the, the easiest way to go through this, the statute itself is utilizing language requiring that council adopt the policy via ordinance. 
we have seen other jurisdictions, and I think you will see other jurisdictions attempt to go the route of a, more of an informal process with a resolution. But for memorializing council action to adopt a policy, an ordinance is required by state law. So at this juncture, the way that we have holistically set it together is to utilize an ordinance at the very least on an annual basis for city council to reauthorize or adopt the policy. It does not appear to be very efficient. Uh, we have continued to analyze various options for streamlining the process. And as indicated, we are continuing to communicate with not only our neighbors, but folks up and down the state about other options to do so. But at this juncture, we feel that pursuant to the letter of the law, an ordinance is required. Okay. Because I took this to potentially mean in response to the letter we received from the ACLU, who was one of the sponsors of the legislation, that we hadn't quite done the process the way the law, as we just said, we didn't do the 30-day free notice. We didn't quite, it was on consent, so we kind of pulled it off of it, but the public wasn't really given, I mean, they were given a chance to comment on consent, but it wasn't really a specific comment period on this item that folks kind of missed on consent, um, that maybe we were repealing and replacing it in an attempt to do it a little bit straight, more straightforward. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're saying, but I don't want to put words in your mouth that we're sort of redoing this so that we're very clear that we're following the letter of the law. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes, I, I would say that in particular, the real repeal replace, the verbiage that we're using right now is something that we are gonna see on an annual basis, regardless of the preceding uh, year. So okay. pursuant to statutory requirement, it is our advice that an ordinance basically alleviate, eliminate the prior ordinance and initiate a new at least at that annual basis. But anytime the police department brings forth new equipment, it will be a repeal replace. Okay. Okay. But this is good because I feel like we're kind of going back to and, and some of the concerns I heard, at least from my constituents, that hey, wait a minute, we didn't realize this was on the agenda. We would have had more to say, kind of came about. So I'm glad we're doing this again because <laughs> it kind of gives us a chance to be super clear, make sure everybody in the public gets a chance to engage like they are today. I will say just on my own opinion now, um, and I'll stop with kind of peppering you all with questions that I do agree with the ACLU and other advocates, especially around the AB 48 restriction on tear gas. I appreciate what you said, Deputy Chief, about how some of these policies exist in other places, but I think we could do a little bit more to make that very clear, not only when equipment can be used, but when it cannot be used. And language like um, not limited to when it relates to tear gas does read to me, and granted, I'm not an attorney, but it doesn't quite follow what AB 48 requires for us when we're using chemical agents like that. So I would actually like to suggest and, and rather than move this to council that this come back um, to law and ledge with some amendments and give us a chance since we do have some time since the 180 day window has started, even if it takes to pass May 1st. I mean, we're hearing from the sponsors of the legislation and plain reading of the law that we do have time past May 1st as far as that 180 day window will take us to sort of make sure it's super clear and that we follow. So I think the intent of this law was 
to have it all in one place, right? Like the intent was to say, hey, if you have questions about any of this equipment, you can go to this policy and see that whole breadth of what it can and can't be used and what we have. So I would love to see this come back um, to the committee rather than passing it forward so that we can have a little bit more discussion, make sure we've rounded out all of those edges. And, and honestly, I'd love for us to work a little bit with the ACLU as, as one of the sponsors of the legislation, because I think they raised some really important points and maybe that would help us make sure that we adopt a policy that really follows not just the letter of the law, but the, but the intent as, as well, if it makes sense. So that's my, I won't be supporting Councilmember Harris's motion for that reason, Chair, and um, thank you for the time. Okay, um, Mr. Garrett, did you want to weigh in on this? If not, I have some comments and, and Mr. Conlon would like to speak as well. Uh, no, no comments at the moment. We'll go okay. ahead and take public comment and then. Okay, let, let, let me do something quickly here. I, I actually agree with Council Member Valenzuela on this. Um, what I heard really was a request for a lot more clarity. And that to me is something that you know if we talk about transparency it's always a good thing um, and protects both the city and the police department as well as those who we represent so i personally would not have a problem and mr conlon i'll ask you um if we if we delay this vote and ask uh you all to to work with the aclu work with the friends uh come back in 60 days or so um, we're well within the 180. Um, do you see any downside to doing that? And so Mr. Conlon, and then uh, we'll come back to Mr. Harris. Thank you. Um, yeah, we, we can certainly take a look at the language and see how we can play with it. I will caution you though, that this is a very strictly defined ordinance uh, allowing police to use certain items of what is being determined as military equipment. The problem with trying to overload it with uh, employment and policy things beyond that initial requirement is that then we create this OODA loop where every time we change, for instance, employment policies in our policy for doing like uh, uh, demonstrations controls and all of that, or use of force, we then have to go back and change this ordinance again. So you create sort of an administrative burden where you have a certain standard for use in multiple ordinances and multiple general orders, and you wind up having to change them every time you do it. I think we've already discussed the fact that, you know, for instance, with the uh, with some of the equipment that's here, like the micro UAVs and stuff like that, um, as we bring in improved equipment, like we could conceivably bring in improved equipment that's out there for a lot of reasons, uh, first of which that, that that equipment is rendered unsafe, or we decide to get a better uh, system out there, then we have to go back and change this ordinance anyway. So it will be likely we'll be changing it multiple times during the year. And we don't wanna get in a situation where this becomes a quarterly event, having to change it because we've changed policy at the same time. Yeah, so I, I don't want it to be a quarterly event either, but I, I do think there is a workaround when we refer to a specific ordinance without actually putting the language of the ordinance in. So if the, if the other ordinance changes, it, that's what we're referring to. So I think there's ways that we can we can deal with it. That would um, be great. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Harris. Thank you, Chair. I just sure. wanna make sure that it's clear and perhaps Kurt and, and 
Deputy Chief, you can clarify this, that you are able to use these tools as of now, even though there is a pending process, some clarification of the ordinance language. I do not want to restrict your ability to deploy these UAS tools in any way, shape, or form. So is that your understanding at this point after this discussion? So, yes, sir. Uh, so if I could speak first, Kurt, um, I, I think we had suspended all the use that was before you. Um, based on this discussion, it sounds like we are able to currently use. I will concur with um, Assistant City Manager Conlon on uh, concerns about change, adding our use of force policy, our First Amendment um, manual details within this, uh, this ordinance. And because we update those on a regular basis, we just updated and redid our entire uh, riot, our old riot control manual, um, which is now called the First Amendment manual. We did take a lot of suggestions. I took a lot of suggestions from ACLU in producing that manual to make sure it accounted a lot of their concerns. And the more you add on to this, the more times we change our use of force policy, which we're revisiting again uh, now, I think um, we will be coming before this board, not only for our annual, um, but for repeat changes within the ordinance. Yeah, and, and again, Deputy uh, Chief, I, I don't think we need to import the language um, as much as we refer to the ordinance or the policy. So if the policy or the ordinance changes, that automatically changes it. Again, I, I have no desire to be here every quarter doing this either. Um, Kurt, did you yeah, want to? Chair, I wasn't quite done yet. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah go thank ahead. you. So, you know, all, all things considered, I think that uh, I am still okay with moving this to council for consideration. Uh, there's a time period in between where council members will be able to dive a little deeper into this. Uh, but my, my, my motion stands, and perhaps I'll get a second. Okay. Uh, Ms. Valenzuela. Yeah, thanks. I just, I wanted to reiterate what you were saying, Chair, and I know it's a lot, but I think part of where all of this is coming from is the interest of transparency, and so hearing this a few times a year feels like a lot to us because we're not used to updating things that often, but I do hope it will build public sort of knowledge and, and trust and transparent in this more transparent process, and, and I know it will be a lot, but um, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can work it out because I think the intent here was to make it easy for the public to understand all the rules around some of this equipment, especially if they've been impacted by it in the field, as, as I know several people personally who were subject to tear gas and other things last year um, I think it just gives them a one-stop place or the year before last excuse me um, to, to really understand what the rules were so that they know what whether or not the rules were being followed and so I, I just hope that we don't let that administrative burden slow us down on undoing a full policy and a full interpretation of this of this new law so thank you all right well Mr. Harris has made a motion is there a second to that motion Okay, seeing none, we could, Ms. Valenzuela, do you want to provide some direction? Sure. I, oh. I'm sorry, Councilmember Guerra. Yeah, sorry. Uh, you know, one is, uh, uh, is, is 60 days, I almost feel, does it, do we really need that much time to do that level of work? I mean, I, I, I feel like I don't want to delay this that much longer. I'm comfortable with the direction you're going about uh, giving some time, and I'd rather have 
I'd rather have us as, as you know try to keep as much stuff uh, that comes out of the Law and Legislation Committee uh, be as, as fully uh, cooked as possible before it goes to council. So that's always my preference. Uh, so that way, at least you know, as things come to council, the council members are are, are able to, to dialogue or, to, or watch it so that uh, uh, they're not guessing what's going to come before this. So, but is, yeah. is 60 days too long? Well, what, what about this council member? What if hey. I say within 60 days? Yeah, I mean, we can do that. I, I'm, I'm more concerned on this, Eric, with our own agenda and our own meeting schedule um, than how long it would take. But it, if we could do it, we, we were kind of booked through April. Um, and in, in the first meeting of May, if we can get this by the end of, that's where my 60 days came from, which was. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. Within 60 days, I think I, I don't. I don't want to delay this any longer. Right? Okay. Again, I, well, I how, about, how about within 60 days, um, but as soon as possible, and we'll certainly work with um, the deputy chief around scheduling. Very good. Very good. I, I'm willing to support that extension if we keep that tight. Okay. So we have direction, uh, Ms. Valenzuela. Did you need to add anything? I interrupted you. I'm sorry. You're good. I'm fine, Chair. Thank you. Okay, um, Mr. Leong, are we have a we're, we're we're transparent and clear on this one. Um, I believe so. Within our policy um, for 1006, it does reference some of the use of force uh, other policies. I guess for clarification, um, I think you had suggested referencing those policies within the ordinance um, and. And I'm not quite sure if you needed more detail than that. Well, I, I think you, you've heard the comments from the public. We wanna get as clear as we can. We don't want to import every word into the ordinance, um, but where it's important that they refer to certain policies or ordinances that may change, we refer to that policy or to that ordinance so that we're fluid uh, going forward and happy to talk offline about how we can do that. I would, Mr. Chair, I would concur with that as well because I don't think it's a, it's a good practice to write everything in the ordinance, but to have a, a clear reference so anyone who's reading the ordinance can find that regulation. Uh, right. And, and use, use of force is a great example. So as the use of force policy changes, it will the changes will be naturally applicable to to the ordinance yeah i think there's um so to further expand on that if i could chair i mean there's sure. going to be instances where we know for a specific piece of equipment and let's just use tear gas as an example right where it's like it will be it can be used in these circumstances it will not be used in these circumstances to the degree we can and if it starts to fall into a general order or other policy reference that so you don't have to keep like you said updating double but i think there may be instances where it's pretty cut and dry and clear like we wouldn't use it in x circumstance like if there were like as one of the callers said if there were kids in the house or something like we would use something different um if you can get to that level that would be great but if it's starting to get come from an order we can reference the order to make it super clear so that people know where to look for that policy so they can further expand um so I just want to add that in that I don't think it'll all come from orders and there may be some instances and I would love to just see that better enumerated in the policy when can it be used when can it be used and if it's referencing orders I think that makes sense if it's if it's not clear on its own I think we can come up with a ordinance that cites our general orders in a way that satisfies what everybody wants thank you 
Appreciate that. Um, okay, with that direction, uh, I think we will move on um, unless the city attorney tells me we need a vote. Thank you so much for streaming that. So, Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. At this time, I have no members of the public with their hands raised to make comment on this item. Thank you. Um, so, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Commissioner Bliss. Yes, uh, just a quick question to uh, the clerk. Um, is, the, uh, uh, is the raised hand feature still open for public comments right now as the uh, presentation had ended? Thank you, Vice Chair. Yes, the ability to raise hands I'm confirming right now was open throughout your presentation. It is currently open right now as well. And, and with that being said, I have no members of the public at this time with their hand raised to make comment on this item. Great. Commissioner Guerrero. Oh, I'm sorry. Commissioner Bliss, do you have any other comments or questions? Commissioner Guerrero can go first. I apologize about that. Uh, Commissioner Guerrero. Thank you. Uh, Chair and Vice Chair, I'll probably say a, a couple of things you were going to say, Vice Chair. So, <laughs> um, hope I, I don't steal your thunder. Um, so, thank you for bringing this issue to our attention in the policy. Um, I think that really there was a lot of uh, good feedback and discussion with the City Council. Um, so, I have a couple of questions, and and I think that um, we may want to entertain some kind of recommendation on this uh, either today or in the future. Um, I'm going to probably intermix questions and feedback, but um, the policy refers to a report um, being created, and um, and I understand that the the uh, version of the policy in, is in place right now. So I would be interested to ask SAC PD if there is a um, report on the existing uh, uh, uses. Um, and the report referencing the policy, if there is a report currently available. Um, so that's one question. And I can pause there if, I, I don't know if Lieutenant Galliano is able to, to answer. But yes, I, uh, I can answer. Uh, SACPD, the, uh, let, me, let me back up. AB 481 requires a law enforcement agency to present an annual report uh, and that was what you heard the city attorney speak about during the presentation uh, when the ordinance will have to be repealed and reinstated, authorizing the annual report along with the uh, uh, reauthorizing the policy. The annual report will be covering the uh, uh, from when the policy was initiated until the next date of reinstatement. So until SACPD has that next date of reinstatement, i.e. when we bring it back to council, we don't know uh, the full date yet for the report to assess, audit, and analyze. So all that to say, no, the report is still being developed until we know that date. Then we'll know 
here's a date to stop looking for stats and um, assess past usages. Thank you, Lieutenant Colonel. Appreciate that. Um, so that's a question. I do think that one of the recommendations this uh, commission should consider is recommending um, uh, SACBD and city council uh, list specifically any prohibited use by state law. Um, and I think a reference to AB 48 um, was uh, mentioned. There may be others. Um, I also wanted to see if there, uh, if the, and this might be a question for Lieutenant Galliano again, if there's any kind of banned military, um, uh, you know, equipment or equipment that the city would not use. I wonder if there's such a list or such an item. Uh, let me let me get back to you on that. I I do know that the uh, federal government does a list of items that are this in this initial uh, law AB forty one was drafted um, to cover a law enforcement agency's acquisition from the federal government through what's called the ten thirty one program, basically requiring uh, uh, unused military surplus equipment, but then it was expanded. Uh, military surplus equipment does have some restrictions on what law enforcement can acquire, uh, but I'm not familiar with any state rules, but we'll have to get back to you on that. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Galliano. And I would um, just add that maybe a recommendation would be if such a, if, if there are restrictions on the kinds of uh, uh, equipment that, that uh, can be acquired, um, again, look, keeping in mind that we don't want to I agree that we don't necessarily want to revisit this policy all the time. Um, we want to make it reasonable, but um, I think maybe including a reference to where the public can find um, those restrictions if they're posted on, on a website or a document, I think would be a good, um, a good recommendation or, or thing to, to do here. So thank you for that. And then lastly, I just wanted to, to mention that I do think it's, it's important to reference um, uh, various uh, general orders that have been adopted over time. Again, I agree that, you know, using the exact copying the language may be a bit much, especially if this has to be reauthorized every year, but at least making um, reference um, in key areas uh, uh, so the public can um, understand as they're reading this document that they will, you know, need to reference another document to kind of understand additional restrictions or items that, that impact this policy. So that is what, um, that's my feedback. Thank you, Madam Chair. Turn it back to you. Great. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner uh, Bliss. Yeah, um, really glad we could do this and um, appreciate uh, Lieutenant Galliano answering um, our commission's questions to the best of uh, his abilities. Um, I have a few questions around this, uh, some of which were answered, uh, particularly around the um, uh, uses of the military equipment, uh, that annual reporting uh, policy. I, I know the policy states that it's the public's right to know about how mil like how the use of the military equipment, how SPD uses the military equipment. I'm just wondering, uh, will this policy require any demographic reporting to provide annual metrics on where this equipment is used and in what context? Uh, just to uh, clarify the question, uh, question uh, Vice Chair Bliss. Are you asking if the policy will have that information or if the annual report will have that information? If the annual report that the policy, like that is required of this policy, will like will that provide that? 
I, I don't have an answer for you on that yet. I haven't seen the uh, draft version of the annual report. Uh, I will say that the annual report is being pulled uh, directly from what the state law requires. And so answering specifically what the state law requires is uh, going to be a majority of what's in there. Uh, but that being said, I, I don't have an answer to you yet. Got it. I'll, uh, I'll check back with you uh, on this question because uh, I would definitely like to, uh, I definitely think that is important to have. Um, and I had another question of whether, uh, as we're talking about, you know, this, require, this policy requiring city council approval, um, like on an annual basis, does this policy also require city council uh, approval before SPD may apply for any military equipment grants? Yes, both the state law and the policy require uh, SACPD get city council approval before before applying for it. In the same process as if we were to purchase it with general fund money. Got it. I appreciate that because uh, the policy states the department shall obtain approval from the governing body, and uh, SPD like defines the governing body as the elected or appointed entity that oversees Sacramento Police Department. Um, I want to also make sure of like, you know, uh, like if this is qualifies explicitly to say the city council and the city manager's office, um, or if this also qualifies to serve as like um, uh, entities higher than the city council, um, what such as like, or, you know, or, or other appointed entities like the police chief or the city attorney or even the attorney general. Uh, that is language pulled specifically from the law itself. It's copy and paste and a governing body for a municipality would specifically be city council. Uh, and uh, that the legislator's language would obviously be different depending on what law enforcement agency you're talking about. So the, um, uh, the Los Rios Police Department, for them, the governing body would be the school board. Uh, so that that is how that language is applied. So for us, it is city council. City council have to make those approvals in the same process we're going through now, meaning starting with law and leg legislation committee and then finalizing the city council. Got it. So the city manager or the police chief uh, themselves wouldn't be uh, able to like authorize applying for those grants without city council approval. Uh, you are you are correct. Perfect. Good to know. Um, I may have other, or I have a, a couple of other questions too. Um, does this policy commit SPD to, sh uh, you know, in the language, does it commit the uh, SPD to show the utmost regard for the preservation of life for all city residents, including suspects? I would have to review it uh, again to uh, be able to give you specific language. However, the policy does reference the uh, use of force policy, uh, which does, of course, Good. I, I bring this up because the policy, you know, from my first read, um, it allows the, like it allows SPD to purchase and use like a lot of weapons that are explicitly like uh, used within theaters of war. Um, and I want to make it clear, you know, like that, like I, I, I as was mentioned by city council and by uh, Commissioner Guerrero, um, I think it's important that we are specific on what it cannot be used for, because uh, as it is right, uh, as the draft that we've currently seen right now um, 
certain members of the public uh, that I've spoken with, it should, like, you know, and I, that I've seen, it basically implies like the capacity for long range executions is like, you know, using the long range rifles of Sacramento citizens rather than committing to the role of apprehension of suspects. So that's why I bring that up. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I have other questions that I'm actually going to share with you all uh, offline, but um, I, I'm going to turn it over to uh, my fellow commissioners. Thank you, Commissioner Bliss. Commissioner Williamson. Uh, <clears throat> thank you. So I'm, I'm a little hard of hearing, and I wound up putting some uh, uh, earphones on so I could hear what's going on. Uh, for Lieutenant Galliano, uh, I apologize if this is redundant, but so the the report or, or policy re regarding this uh, military-based equipment, it, does, does it include, like, what are specific criteria that need to apply for using uh, uh, armor-piercing uh, bullets? I mean, I, I, I totally respect the desire to have every police officer be able to go home at night and uh, hug their loved ones. I want to be very clear about that. But I also want to make certain that that armor-piercing bullets don't wind up getting used in a situation where the bullet goes through a couple of walls and somebody in another unseen location winds up getting uh, being the one who stops the bullet. Um, so it, how, it, what kind of what, what's the source of the criteria that apply for when armor-piercing uh, ammunition is used? Uh, sir, so the armor-piercing ammunition is, along with all ammunition, governed by the Sacramento Police Department's use of force policy. And uh, using those items uh, requires um, SACPD officers to be in full compliance with the use of force policy prior to their use. The military equipment policy uh, uh, references the use of force policy as the controlling policy for when items, uh, when those items would be used. And armor piercing uh, ammunition in particular are used when there is a uh, individual posing a lethal or deadly threat to officers or members of the public and is in some way, shape or form armored. Right. Uh, like the Hollywood bank um, shootout would be an example with uh, suspects who are heavily armored in, right. uh, you know, class level four Kevlar. Yeah, I, 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 I totally, I totally appreciate that example. That that the the challenge is, uh, uh, and that's a great example. I can't imagine anybody questioning that. Uh, and again, we want all police officers to go home at night. Um, the the the, but. What, so if I were to go read the, the policy on use of force, would that give me everything I'm going to want to know then about when armor-piercing ammunition can be used? Or I, I, Because if there's a document out there, I just want to go out and read it. I don't, I don't need to be educated in this conversation, although you're doing a great job. I want to be clear on that. But, um, but how, do I, how do I find out what the, the, the rationales are and exceptions and and where I could use my imagination to find out if it, if it goes not far enough or too far. 
so as it stands, SACPD does not have a policy specifically on armored piercing ammunition that will uh, dive into uh, hypotheticals on its use uh, or, or prohibitions. Uh, it would fall under the use of force policy. So my recommendation would be to start with the use of force policy uh, as it relates to the use of deadly force uh, to, uh, to understand if an item is um, usable or not usable in a given hypothetical. Okay, well, th thank you, Lieutenant Galliano. And I, I want to pass the torch back to our chair. Thank you. I believe I saw Commissioner Guerrero and then Commissioner Bliss. Commissioner Guerrero. Madam Chair, I wanted to suggest that at the appropriate, uh, we've uh, in the past when there's been a timely issue, um, we've created an ad hoc very quickly to just, um, you know, do some quick work. And I think um, based on the on the uh, video presentation that we shared and based on this conversation, I think we there's some really good recommendations that we can do. And I also at the same time, same breath, want to commend SACPD for um, uh, seeking that public input. Um, I saw a SACP article that included a link, um, and I know they're doing efforts to to get that public input. And again, I'm I'm really uh, just to appreciate that kind of outreach. Um, so, uh, but we're here also, uh, you know, as a forum for the public to um, give their feedback, and we're part of uh, public. So, I I think that if we could put an ad hoc together to very quickly um, gather the recommendations that we've discussed so far, uh, see if there's some kind of agreement um, uh, to pass along to the um, city council in a very quick um, manner, I think that that would be good. And then um, secondarily, I wanted to encourage my fellow commissioners and Vice Chair uh, Bliss made me think about this. Um, you know, we don't have, we, our recommendations um, can go beyond um, state law and certainly SAC PD can go beyond state law. So I would um, recommend to Vice Chair um, Bliss if, if uh, a response to his question about the report and whether demographic information is related to the use of these items, if it's not um, uh, planned to be included, that could be a uh, an added recommendation that that kind of information be um, included in that report. Um, that is all I have. Uh, back to, uh, I turn it back to you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Bliss. Yeah, I appreciate that uh, historical context, Mario, um, or Commissioner Guerrero. And um, I'm really, I, I uh, wanted to just check in terms of process, like, is that something that um, can be motioned to be done during, the, uh, during this conversation, or do we need to wait until the next meeting to do that? I don't think, and I would like to kind of make sure that we have um, clear guidance from our uh, legal team, but I think we can get together as long as it's not more than five commissioners, um, we can get together and actually get this done. And I don't think we need a formal ad hoc given the timeliness of it. Um, so actually, since we're on the topic, I'm gonna share my screen quickly. Um, yep. And I don't think I'm doing this correctly. So I'm gonna, um, so just really quickly, I was actually gonna put on, so, 
I'm having trouble sharing my screen, so I apologize for that. But one of the things that I wanted to kind of raise for everybody is the actual, there is a link and it is, it is basically, um, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to put it on the screen, so I apologize. But one of the things that we know is that we need to give comment back by May 20th. So that basically today's May 9th, we have a very short window of time for us to formally give comment and not just us, but the general public. So there is a link that I'm gonna to send to all of the commissioners. Many of you know and are part of a larger community. Please share this link. Please make sure that the community is aware that they can, they can give their feedback. There is actually, I, I do wanna commend the PD. They are making it easy. There's a form online that we can basically provide input. Let's go ahead and do that, right? We've been asking for PD to basically allow us to provide feedback before a general order is done. Here's an opportunity to do that. So I will make sure that we send out the link, socialize it, send it to as many people as you can. They have until May 20th to kind of get this type of feedback in. And I actually would like to have a show of hands as to who would like to participate in this conversation. Um, Commissioner Bliss and I have been talking about formally putting, pinning a letter outlining some of the recommendations that we would like to see as a commission and not just only sharing it with the police department, which we, we're obviously gonna do, but also making sure that the law and legislation committee have a copy of it as well to inform their thinking. And I think we're all in, in the interest of transparency and trying to collaborate. We're making it very clear. So would love to see a show of hands if anybody is um, willing and available. So, uh, so I basically have Commissioner Bliss, Commissioner Falcón, Commissioner Guerrero, and Commissioner Elcara. Anybody else? If not, I'm going to throw my hat. Oh, no, that's actually, yeah. If nobody else um, is willing to be part of that committee, I would love to be part of it, but I also defer um, to other commissioners. So it sounds like we have our five. Great. And again, we're, we have to do this work basically um, by the end of this upcoming weekend, just to ensure that we have enough time to submit and to also get it to law and legislation committee. So great. I see um, a couple of hands. I'm gonna go with um, Commissioner Falcon, then Commissioner Bliss. Oh, and- Thank you. I think uh, Lieutenant Galliato was, uh, had his hand raised, but- um, yeah. I, I was gonna say, yeah, I saw his okay. hand up before mine, yes. Commissioner Galliano. I'm so sorry, Lieutenant Galliano, I apologize. Uh, I apologize. I had misspoke when uh, answering Vice Chair Bliss, Bliss's question about grants. In cases of exigent circumstances, when SACPD is not able to get to council uh, in time, meaning that a grant opportunity will open and close before engaging the legislative process, SPD can apply for the grant. However, SPD must go through this process as soon as practical and would still have to go through this process before accepting and purchasing an item. I just wanted to clarify that piece. So just so I'm understanding, you're saying that SPD actually can, um, like, although the funding must be approved by the city, the policy include like allows for SPD to apply for military equipment grants without city approval? Uh, yes, but we'll still have to engage this process as soon as practical, and only in situations where a grant would open and close before possible, before uh, being able to uh, uh, approach city council. But to be clear, did you say that you couldn't accept the funds for that grant unless city council approved it? 
That is, uh, I believe, the general case with any city procurement. But yes, this process would still have to occur before acquisition of the item or accepting of the funds. Seems like a pretty big loophole. Uh, something to consider for as we uh, as our how it works. Thank you for clarifying that, Commissioner Falcon. I'll be brief. Thank you. Uh, I guess really, and I, I'm. And listening to all of the discussion that went on within the council meeting and such, and I do appreciate and understand the fact, as they say, we don't want to have to return quarterly, and I understand. But, you know, right now, this is a very, very complex subject. The discussion is complex. As the policies and general orders are created around us, I think they are going to require quite a bit of discussion. And if we got to come back quarterly, you know what? We got to come back quarterly. We can't just say, I don't want to do this. So let's just do it for the sake of doing it and get it done. No, no, let's have the discussion. Let's bring the public to it. Um, I, I look forward to the discussions this week as we prepare for this. And I look forward to the link to be able to share within my community, especially uh, for their feedback. And, you know, we'll get it out there and see what we can do. But I don't know, I, I'm sure that wasn't the intent of the statement about, I don't want to come back quarterly and such like that, but this is complex. Let's, let's give it its time. Thank you. I also saw Commissioner Bliss, you had your, your hand is up. Yes, because uh, some of these questions, uh, particularly one that uh, Commissioner Williamson had raised around armor piercing rounds um, gave me pause to want to like raise this question as well. Why does this policy include the purchase and use of 40 millimeter grenade launchers, particularly the multi-shot 40 millimeter grenade launchers? I mean, given its clear military applications uh, for inflicting mass casualties over a wide area effect, whether that's with uh, less lethal ordnance or, or lethal ordnance, how does SPD justify its necessity and use in this policy in a public safety context? Uh, Commission, Commissioner Bliss, could I get one more time the specific item number you're uh, or the item you're uh, asking? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm talking about the 40 millimeter grenade launchers, um, particularly the multi-shot 40 millimeter grenade launcher. That is uh, the def I believe it is referred to as. Um, let me make let me double check to make sure the uh, I think it's defense technology. Um, do yeah the defense technology um 40 millimeter tactical four shot launcher as well as the single shot launcher like i mean you have two of those uh, uh on quantity according to the current uh draft of the policy let me uh let me reach out to some of our subject experts uh before i specifically answer that one appreciate that and I'm also curious, one of the questions I'm going to ask too is like, what level of training does this policy require in the usage of military equipment by SPD officers? Uh, sure. Uh, each item uh, specifically outlines the required training uh, that a SPD officer must go through for use of that particular item. So all 17 uh, different categories have um, 
what training is required for an officer to use a particular uh, piece of equipment. Gotcha. So if I reference those and I'll be able to see like the amount of hours that are required in different classes and such. Uh, you will not be able to see the amount of hours required, but you will be able to see uh, uh, a description of the course that is or the uh, type of training that's required for the particular item. If, um, for example, let me see if I can find one here. And I, I apologize, my computer just gave me the warning sign on, of an update. So let me try and get through this here for you. Um, so if we look at the, um, okay, so a, a, for example, for UASs, um, under the UAS portion of the military equipment policy, H1, you'll see a training subsection, training E, that all UAS operators have to be licensed by the FAA for UAS operations and must attend a 40-hour department uh, training and ongoing quarterly trainings for use of the UAS, as an example. Right. But when we're talking about the 40-millimeter um, launchers, it'll, like the training simply states that sworn members utilizing the 40-millimeter launcher are trained in their use by post-certified less lethal and chemical agent instructors. But it gives no specifics on like, you know, beyond post where like where those trainings apply or like, you know, the level which, which I think is important uh, to actually name so that we understand that. And I, that's coming from like from a former infantryman who uh, the only time he could ever get near anything that had uh, f like for, like it was a 40 millimeter launcher or what that was on the training field. And there was a, like entire special class of, uh, of military office or military uh, position that was required before the like before you could be regularly using those weapons. Uh, SPD, that information that is uh, in the policy is what SPD is producing at the time or uh, currently. Um, I will say that uh, that is ensuring that we are in compliance with post regulations on uh, what an officer must go through for use of a, uh, those particular force. Something more to consider for uh, our conversation around that letter and recommendations. Um, one last question uh, around the inventory. I would like to know, uh, when did uh, SPD conduct its most recent uh, inventory of military equipment that's listed in this policy? Uh, SPD conducted an inventory in uh, March, which is what led to uh, realizing we uh, needed, we had accidentally omitted the um, items that we're seeking to get reinstated. Uh, SPD is currently in the process of uh, inventorying items for the annual report purposes. Hmm. One other, or that also brought to mind another question, and I appreciate that, uh, uh, that answer. Um, what are proposed annual procurement quantities and costs, and why are they to be determined? Does this policy, like, this policy indicate that you need to, like, resupply your equipment like UAS on an annual basis? Uh, that is a good question. Uh, so when SPD, as, as it's been stated before, this is currently a draft. When the finalized version exists, SPD will know uh, what our timeframes are for the next time we come back. Uh, for the next annual reinstatement of this policy. 
And so what SPD is working on doing is determining how many of these items we will need to replace on an annual basis once we have that number. And then we'll be able to say in the finalized version of this policy, here are the amount of items we will have to purchase over the course of the next year before we come back to you. And here is how much that is expected to cost. So for example, we might learn that uh, in a 12 month period, we lose, let's say hypothetically four UASs. And we know uh, on average, we have to replace four UASs annually. So that will be listed in the policy. And that's going to be listed for each one of these items. Is that correct? Each, each uh, UAS type? Uh, yes, every single item will have listed that we know we are going to need to purchase X amount of items over the next 12 months, and it will cost uh, X amount of dollars because X amount of items break or lost or destroyed uh, or have a have a shelf life. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I see that Mr. Sparks had his hand up. Mr. Sparks. I uh, I resolved my issue. Great, thank you. Um, any other comments from the commission? Great, so just to reiterate, we have until May 20th, we will be meeting, I will be sending out an email to everybody on the commission to basically make sure that you have the information with the draft policy and also the online form that can be filled out by the public. Comments are due May 20th. In the meantime, we're the five of us it's going to be Commissioner um, Bliss, Commissioner Guerrero, Commissioner Falcon, and Commissioner Alcara. We're going to be getting together and drafting a letter that we can submit formally at the commission. Chair, this is Blair Wait. Hongo in Council Chamber. During your discussion, we did have two members of the public raise their hand wishing to make comment this evening. Um, with your permission, may I move to our public commenters? Of course, please do. Thank you, Blair, for flagging that. Thank you, Chair. Our first speaker this evening is Devante Springer. My first speaker is Devante Springer. I am not showing um, that that speaker is muted. I can give the speaker a moment and move to our next hand. I have uh, Mr. Barry Boyd. Thank you, Blair. I think I am, here we go. Um, uh, good evening to all. And I do have a, uh, just a, well, uh, an overview request. Um, my apologies if I am, uh, I won't say being redundant, but if, if my request has been addressed, I believe I started to hear Commissioner Falcone stating um, where what my request is, and that and that the commission, um, instead of an annual report, let the commission's the commission report that this commission report uh, of its recommendations to the full city council regarding activities of the police commission and Sacramento Police Department's efforts to strengthen bias-free policing and community police relations 
on a quarterly basis or at, at the minimum um, uh, every six months. Uh, since most of us cannot forecast the future, the need to revisit recommendations, activities, successes, and failures in the uh, aforementioned um, areas would make practical sense using, for example, the mass shooting uh, here in Sacramento just, just a few weeks ago, not pointing fingers or, or uh, anything of that nature. I'm just putting it out there. Could, by reporting on a quarterly basis, could anything had been changed in regards to community policing that may have mitigated some of the activities that took place that night. Again, um, meeting more often would make uh, the best sense to me than waiting for an entire year to go back to report on how an issue is taking place or how it, uh, it has succeeded and or uh, may have failed. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr. Boyd. Thank you, Mr. Boyd. And I will come back to Devante Springer. I am at this time asking you to unmute. If by chance you are calling in on your phone, you will need to dial star nine to unmute. Speaker, I am showing you unmuted. Yeah, I'm unmuted. Yes, we can hear you in council chamber. You have two minutes to address the commission. Yes, yeah, so I just want to, um, I wanted to ask, um, what is there being done? Hello? Yes, we can hear we you. We can hear you. Oh, okay, there's there's another recording talking, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna ask. Um, we all pretty much seen like the the. Th what? There's there's like somebody else talking right now. Is that normal? It might be an echo. If you have your uh, audio on your phone turned up uh, for this meeting. Okay, sorry, but uh. Yeah, I was just wondering what what was there being done to uh to make sure that uh the like the mass shooting that happened downtown doesn't happen again. Thank you for your comment. Chair, I have no other hands raised to make comment on this item this evening. Great, and thank you so much for the public for those who stayed with us um to provide that feedback. Thank you. So having had the commissioners and the public speak on this item, we will follow back up with the commission at our next commission meeting to give an update as to publicly what the letter will, the letter that we will be submitting. Thank you. So moving on to our next item. The next one is ad hoc committee updates. Mary, I think you're on the agenda next. Thank you, this is Mary Opsa. I think that was an oversight that um, my name is a placeholder there. This is an opportunity for an update from any of the ad hoc committees if they wanted to hop in and give an update for what they've been doing. 
Great. Thank you. Any ad hoc chairs would like to give an update? Madam Chair, may I, I uh, raise my hand? Oh, yes, please. And um, I would just say that um, the initial intent of putting this on the agenda regularly is not so that um, ad hocs that want to give an update give an update, but that all ad hocs give an update because I think even if it's, we haven't done anything, <laughs> it keeps us all on the straight and narrow. So that's just my opinion. I hope every, every ad hoc chair um, mentions what's going on. So I'm chair of two ad hocs, uh, the LGBTQ plus ad hoc policy committee. We have met and had an initial discussion of the general orders we're going to be taking a look at, and we hope to narrow those down. Um, and uh, we're also tinkering with our um, ad hoc description, so we may be providing an update to that. That's the uh, update there on the um, implementation ad hoc committee. Um, we have also met and uh, distributed uh, work uh, among the members. Uh, we have a couple of years worth of recommendations to look at. Um, to look at. Um, we are going to um, work to put them in the uh, format that uh, we believe the city council um, uh, wants them in, which includes both a, an Excel format and a long form. Um, and I would also add that I've, uh, it's my understanding that the city council has not yet adopted their exact process by which recommendations by the various uh, commissions and boards will be adopted. And so I just wanted to share that, um, you know, that that still hasn't been done. And so that will certainly impact the work of um, all recommendations moving forward, but, it, but also uh, in particular, the um, work of looking back and resubmitting. Um, that's my update, Madam Chair. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Falcon. I just wanted to add that, uh, unfortunately, I was not, uh, I was not present at the meeting where the ad hocs were uh, discussed and developed and, 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 and folks joining them. So I just wanted to let you know, I have no ad hoc that I'm a part of, but if anyone is in need or would like to have me added onto their ad hoc help, please reach out and let me know. Thank you. Oh, we can definitely take care of that uh, problem. Why does that, why does that not surprise me? But let me know, anybody. Commissioner, um, I will I will reach out to you after this after this meeting and we can we can make sure that we resolve that issue. Great. And then I have Commissioner Williamson. Thank you. Um, um, yeah, I don't recall last month us being asked uh, about uh, our, our ad hocs, but I do want to strongly support uh, Commissioner Guerrero when he when when he said that each month, each commission sh uh, ad hoc should have to say something, even if they did nothing, because the benefit of that is shaming us into being more active in the following yep. month. And and uh, and I'll speak only for myself. I respond quickly and effectively to being shamed. So uh, I, I, I strongly support Commissioner Guerrero on, on, on that suggestion. And I want to acknowledge to my fellow Commissioner Okara that we did not meet this last month. But a month ago, I did send out a kind of work in progress PowerPoint, a slide deck of, I don't know, 30 plus slides on various scenarios uh, uh, or, or that represent the kinds of interactions that the police may have with the public and vice versa. 
and not trying to apply any judgment to any of those, but trying to raise those as ones where we, what, what should be our priorities on ones where we need some kind of a, a best practice articulated and how do we support that best practice with training? Uh, because it's one thing to have a policy, whether it's called a general order or something else, but then what is the training that backs it up uh, is of particular importance to me. And then that navigates us to the question of how much money gets spent on training and what priorities are set overall for training and uh, how do we ensure that high priority training needs from a, a, a community point of view are addressed. So for example, I'll speak only for myself, uh, the effect of knowing how to, to, to apply de-escalation techniques to me seems to be a very high uh, uh, payoff uh, kind of uh, training for every, every law enforcement officer to have. Obviously in line with my other statement about I want every police officer to go home at night safely uh, there may be some boundaries on de-escalation, but we need to ensure that we are pursuing those uh, abilities to de-escalate before we launch into things that, uh, I don't want to get into hyperbole, but things that can take us the other direction. And so uh, uh, I would like my fellow commissioners to take a look at the PowerPoint. I can send it again to our, our chair to get distributed, but I'd really like to get some... Uh, uh, responses back on what we think are priorities for interactions that deserve attention overall and which ones we think uh, uh, merit some best practices articulated and in turn uh, how do we address the issue of training in the police department because I think that is something that should be a top-down uh, direction on what officers should be trained in as opposed to each officer doing their own thing thank you thank you Commissioner Williamson Commissioner Bliss. Thank you, Chair. Um, to, I'll start with, uh, I, I, for uh, folks in the public who don't know, uh, I chair the uh, surveillance and policing ad hoc, as well as the budget transparency ad hoc. Um, just to report on the surveillance ad hoc activities, um, we have been convening uh, a couple times now and one of uh, the policies that we're currently looking through uh, have, has been the draft military equipment use policy, uh, which we will be uh, watching closely um, and looking forward to the letter that comes up around recommendations for that. Um, we're also uh, working. We're also um, working right now to review existing uh, general order policies, particularly uh, 51. Uh, 0.05, uh, the shot slaughter flex, uh, the body worn camera policy, the unmanned aerial systems policy, as well as in-car cameras and stolen vehicle tracking systems um, as, part, as part of our review. We are currently uh, in, in the process of identifying uh, some specific needs and asks, and uh, when we are ready, we'll be reaching out to SPD um, to meet with our ad hoc committee members uh, to learn more about uh, their unmanned aircraft systems, as well as uh, the, how they use their uh, real-time crime center and predictive policing models. Um, so keep an eye out for that. We will uh, send a, a request for a meeting uh, when we are ready. 
that is the update for the surveillance ad hoc uh, under uh, budget transparency ad hoc. Um, we are uh, we have been uh, really kind of reviewing the 911 call and dispatch data, and based on our pr uh, preliminary review, which uh, I had named uh, and several others in the, in the public I remember uh, had named as well, is that there's very little data that appears to be available, and that data and and like it seems as though there was a, a, the addition of one extra field that is currently available in the open source data field, and a, like a few thousand more um, additional responses that weren't listed. But beyond that, it really didn't get to the core of what we were asking for. Um, and data that cannot be analyzed is simply not data. So um, what we are currently looking to do is um, we are actually like we. We've been working with um, our partners in uh, the Measure U Committee, uh, who were uh, helping us uh, last year. Were responsible for, um, you know, holding the like uh, helping us host this joint meeting uh, that we asked, we requested SPD to attend, but didn't um, last year. And right now, we're actually uh, I have a couple of requests that I'd like to make. Um, the first and foremost being that I think, given that how important it is for not just this commission but also Sacramento Police Department to understand the not, like their call and dispatch data so that they can understand the current increases in crime stats that they keep reporting and what they're doing about it. Like, uh, you know, we oftentimes hear from the city council and from SACPD that like, you know, they're doing like they're doing data driven policies, but we don't see um, a real critical analysis of the 911 call data. So what we want to do is actually are we are interested in partnering. Uh, with, with Sacramento Police Department, as well as um, the University of California in Davis, um, and, and, and this commission to get confidential access to the call and dispatch data for research purposes. Um, so one of the things that I want to request on this is that uh, this commission uh, schedule a special meeting uh, for the month of June, um, ideally after the um, uh, scheduled budget vote, which I believe is uh, for mid-June. So uh, we're looking at dates uh, for June 27th or uh, July 18th uh, to approve the following items, basically. We want to uh, review a recommendation to request partnership between uh, SPD, UC Davis, and the police commission or review commission to get confidential access to the call and dispatch data for research purposes. And we want to, uh, uh, there's also, it's uh, come to our attention, a uh, grant op grant funding opportunity for cities who are um, proposing uh, or like who apply for, like basically to require uh, their local police departments to share their call and dispatch data with state departments. And uh, one of the recommendations that we would discuss at this special meeting would be to advise city council to apply for this grant uh, as soon as it is available. So um, I've already submitted a request um, with Mary and OPSA to um, uh, see if we can determine a, a, an appropriate date for this special meeting. And uh, we are also looking to um, draft a letter to formally request this partnership to city council. Thank you, Mr. Spark. Um, I just wanted to make sure I understand in your discussion about the military use policy, did you say that you were going to send an email to all of the members of the commission? 
Yes. And so what we have done in the past, and we've, uh, we've worked with uh, Audriel on this, is we do it just for information only. We don't, okay. go, we don't actually have correspondence back and okay. forth with the entire commission. It's just a one-way um, one email to provide information. Okay. I just want to make sure that you didn't fall into the pitfall of a serial meeting. So as long, no, as, no, it's no, a, yeah. as, long as it's a one-way flow of information and there's no back and forth. Okay. Thank you. No, no, good question. Thank you so much. Great. And then um, I guess I will give the update for the accountability and oversight ad hoc committee. We do not have a chair because we have not met and that, so Commissioner Williamson, you and I are both being shamed today. So we will make sure we have an update for the upcoming meeting and we will be, we'll have a lot of work to show for it, Commissioner. Absolutely, Madam Chairman. Great. Thank you so much. Any questions from the public on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no hands raised to make comment on this item tonight. Great. Anybody, um, any commissioner? Great, seeing none. Oh, oh, no, I take that back. I apologize, Commissioner Falcon. I'm sure if you were asking for questions or comments. Is that what you're asking? Oh, I'm time? so sorry. On this, on this particular item on the ad hoc. No, no, no. Fine. I'll raise my hand on the next one. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Okay. So no comments on this item. Great. And moving on. Our next item. This is where I think I'm going to see some hands. Commissioners, comments, ideas, questions. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak? Commissioner Falcon. Okay. There we go. Thank you so much. Uh, a couple of things. One, um, I've recently been uh, working within the community and talking to some in different. So, I'm sorry, Commissioner. Your audio, yes. your audio is having some some feedback. Oh, my apologies. Is this any better? Is it uh, coming any clearer? No. Let me let me mute and then come back to me. Okay. Great. While we wait for. Commissioner Falcon, Commissioner Bliss. Yeah, uh, just a few comments, um, and one's going to be might be particularly long. Um, just wanted to um, make sure to you know uh, go back to the what you had raised, uh, Chair uh, Castillo Grings, um, around the community feedback form. Um, I wanted to uh, make sure that members of the public were aware uh, to you know. Uh, Fill out this form, uh, which is available um, through the City of Sacramento um, website. Uh, if you go to forms.cityofsacramento.org forward slash F forward slash PD underscore military equipment use, you will find that form. And I wanted to let uh, every uh, members of the public know that this form will be closing on May 20th, uh, which is um, 11 days from now. So want to encourage members of the public as well as this commission Please share that far and wide and submit your comments um, as well to make sure that we are uh, giving our full uh, community feedback and input into this uh, and drafting this policy. Um, and from my understanding is, is that um, this uh, military equipment use policy is due, is expected to go back to city council um, within the next month uh, for approval by June. Um, so, uh, keep, sorry. Just, just to correct that, no, it's going back uh, to the law and legislature committee Right, uh, and, right. I, I I hear that, but um, in terms of the like the timeline, based on uh, what I read from the uh, city and also 
uh, appears is that like they're looking to like you know it will go back to law and legislation first is what I heard, but uh, it'll likely go to the full uh, city council by June. Correct. So I wanted to give people the uh, appropriate timeline uh, for when they should expect and keep an eye out uh, so that they can also continue to weigh in um, at city council meetings as well. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring attention to was a um, uh, a letter around an incident that had occurred. Um, a hostage situation um, that re- uh, that spooked residents along 58th Street um, on April 25th and 26th. And um, the author has given me permission uh, to read this letter aloud um, so that folks can um, understand and uh, hear this, this uh, hear about this incident, as well as how me- uh, members of, of the community in that area uh, were. were Give it like give an instruction and what can be done better uh, in SPD's response to such situations. So starting from the top, Chief Lester, Councilmember Guerrero, uh, uh, Councilmember Guerra, and uh, Dr. Watson. To my knowledge, the hostage standoff on 58th Street on April 25th through 26, 2022, ended without death or serious injury, and I am grateful for it. I try to live by the adage. We'll always make mistakes, but let's try each day to learn from past ones and make new ones. This email is sent in that spirit. As a person who lives on the street, I wanted to share formally uh, my experience, concerns with how the situation was handled, and some suggestions for how to prevent these missteps in the future. An officer came to my door at 11.13 a.m. on April 25th and offered the following information. Someone may have shot a gun four doors down from you. She then immediately asked if I planned to stay or leave, noted it in her pad, and left. Then, all day and night, I watched and listened as additional police vehicles, SWAT, helicopters, a negotiator, and a militarized county tank called the Rook arrived at my residential street. There was radio silence since 11.30, a.m. from Sacramento Police Department and the city of Sacramento. Three things would have been helpful. Number one and three should be mandatory. The officer coming to people's homes should have offered the facts and some guidance. Based on, what, uh, for example, quote, based on what we know now, it is likely safe for you to stay in your home as long as you don't come outside, but the situation is unpredictable. So you may feel more comfortable leaving. If you stay, you won't be able to leave. However, if you leave, you won't be able to come back. In either situation, we can't predict how long this will go on. So your decision should be guided by what else you may need to do today. And if you have enough food, medicine, et cetera, to stay inside, end quote. I had five seconds worth of, rec- of information about an event that only may have happened and was offered no guidance from a public safety professional about how to respond. This officer also didn't ask if anyone else lived here who may be at work or school or give me instructions about whether they would be allowed to return home or if I would be allowed to leave and come back if I needed to pick them up. I needed more information. Number two, the officer should have taken our names, phone numbers, and or email addresses and provided periodic updates. The longer the standoff lasted and the more artillery that arrived, the more fearful for our safety my neighbors and I became. Number three, every neighbor on 58th Street should have been alerted when the situation was resolved. In managing an in-progress crisis, I understand that external communications may not be able to be prioritized, but there is simply no excuse for not letting us know the situation has been resolved. 
It is not acceptable that people who are directly impacted by an event must turn to the news, Twitter, and the Ring app to find out what is happening to them. As of the sending of the email, I am still unsure what exactly happened, if it is over, and any precautions I may need to be aware of moving forward. That was the, like, that was the end of the letter. I wanted to make sure that that was logged in the public record as, as a general recommendation from a community member of how the Sacramento Police Department should treat neighboring residents in certain, in certain crisis situations when it deploys mil, its military equipment use. Because as we, as we have known and as we have seen countless times over, there are like these are weapons of war, and it is incredibly scary when you don't have, when you as a resident do not have context as to why why they're being deployed and how they're being used and what the situation is happening near them. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Bliss, and maybe you and I can work together on this. This is one of the issues. The ad hoc is that when we, we talk about service. This is one of the things in terms of how do we improve those community relations so that the public feels well served, they feel like they, their voice is being heard and concerns addressed. Thank you for bringing that up today. Uh, we're gonna go back to Commissioner Falcon and then Commissioner Williamson. All right, I put on a headset now with a microphone. Can you hear me better? Much better, thank you. All right, wonderful, thank you. A uh, couple of things. One, uh, working with the community, uh, a question was brought up in regard to our previous recommendations from the ad hocs from the commission to mayor and council. I'm trying to remember that wonderful uh, matrix of what our recommendations were, who was involved, where the statuses are. Are those somewhere on the SPD website or the city of Sacramento website that I could refer members of the public to? Lieutenant Galeano, do you have an answer for that? And if not, I see that Commissioner Guerrero, you, you came off mute. Uh, I, I believe if uh, we're discussing the ones that were submitted to council and uh, voted upon, they would be in the meeting minutes um, for city council, but they are not on the SACPD's website. Okay, okay. So to that end, considering the fact that that particular document was, uh, I I'm trying to remember if it was ever actually shared during a commission meeting, and if it was, uh, is it really considered public record so that it can be shared with the community? I'm just curious, again, somebody asking about that. Commissioner Guerrero, you have your hand up. I just wanted to, to, to share, and this is context, we've, met, we've talked a little bit about this issue before. Our recommendations aren't, um, yes, they are uh, somewhere um, in city council um, agendas, but they're buried and it's really hard to find them yeah. Um, even for commissioners, uh, I, in the past, I've had to search for them. So if you're interested in though in past, uh, uh, city council agendas that include those, I'm happy to email them to you, but, uh, just want to mention, this is a bigger issue that we've asked, uh, for a website where these can all be posted in one place to, um, make it easy for the public to access them. And it's been years and we still don't have that. So it's just an issue we're dealing with. So the, the, the direct question is, the matrix that was created by this commission for tracking, is it a public document that can be shared? It or, can be shared. It, it can be shared. It's just not, it's hard to find unless you ask one of us that has it, 
It's well, not like a public, yeah, but it can't right. be shared. I, I have it. I just wasn't sure, and that's why I'm asking before I go out and share it. I don't want to break any rules. You're good to okay. share. Okay, very good. Thank you for that. The other uh, question, the other thing I wanted to comment, I was also speaking to another community member. I know as we talk about the uh, the difficulty sometimes in getting the data necessary for us to be able to make informed decisions or to ask questions about, and I know there have been some comments made in the past related to the database and some of the limitations of the current database for grabbing some of that information. A community member mentioned to me, and I don't know, um, Lieutenant Galliano, if this is something you can answer, that I guess there is are some database changes or upgrades that are going on uh, within the SAC PD. Are you aware of any of those, Lieutenant Galliano? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not aware of anything in particular. I will say, though, that the uh, company we contract with, Versaterm, uh, which operates our record management system, uh, does uh, obviously, just like Microsoft or any other large uh, software push out regular uh, updates, but there's nothing new or significant I'm aware of. Okay, they may have been referring to something that the city is actually doing, not specific to the PD, but if possible, I'm gonna try to get more information. I will share it with OPSA uh, and then let OPSA disseminate accordingly uh, for any interest that you know the, the SAC PD or the commissioners may have. Uh, the other thing I wanted to throw out there I mean, I'm, I'm very touched by the, the question that came from the community member about what are we doing to try to mitigate any risks of what happened at that horrible shooting. Um, and, and he seemed to me, in listening to his voice, very concerned and wanted some answers. What are we as a city, as a citizenry, or whatever doing in that? And I know with the Brown Act, we are limited in what we can and cannot respond to with public comments on that. But I just put this out there because I, I'm not sure if there is a place for community members who still have continued questions around what took place, what the city is doing, public safety, et cetera, for, for again, for our citizens to be able to ask of those questions. I don't know if it's their council members they should be going to, maybe that's the place for us to refer them to is to their council members for additional information. Any thoughts from my fellow commissioners? Commissioner Bliss? You know, the, the uh, public, the community members' comments, uh, as well as what you're raising is like really important. And I think the first and foremost stop is for all of us um, to contact our city council member to ask them uh, what is being done to prevent such things. Because as we now know, uh, based on news reporting, is that um, the, the there are three people who have been charged um, uh, in, uh, directly related to the shooting. Um, and the city attorney or the Sacramento County District Attorney, Anne-Marie Schubert uh, and Chief Lester are, are framing this as a gang-related crime as happening. And since that labeling, which like, you know, began like and was precipitated in media like a couple of weeks before, I've noticed a, like a steep drop-off in like media coverage when it comes to that. Uh, because, you know, as we all know, apparently when it's come, when it comes to gang-related related crimes, apparently we just, there isn't really much to do. Uh, like uh, at least uh, like in the mainstream, like mainstream court of public opinion. But 
there is actually a lot of it that could be done. And there were community residents that were saying from get-go uh, when the shooting happened that a lot of this stem, like, like, you know, knowing the fact that this stemmed from a personal conflict, there needs to be more investment uh, in community members for community care. That's what community members have been, long been asking for, particularly um, funding in youth programs. So one of the things that, you know, and this is coming from, my, like from my opinion as a personal community member is we need to like ask our city council members what are they going to do to actually fund community care needs rather than public safety because as has been noted also uh since the shooting happened it happened in one of the most well-resourced wealthiest uh and most hyper-protected areas of the city like I live just 10 blocks away from there and I like go by there on a regular basis some of my fondest memories occurred where the shooting, like where the shooting happened. And I noted like no, like there are usually no less than six police vehicles within the, uh, like within a, a, a two square block radius of that area. And it's also again, like right at like just a, a stone's throw away from the state Capitol and just two blocks away from city hall, the county administration building, as well as the Sacramento County jail. So like, a lot of initially, a lot of community members were talking about this needing, like, you know, we need more police officers uh, at these venues and like to, you know, man these corners of the streets. But that really doesn't get to the underlying problem because police were there that night. They like, and there were members, like, there were witnesses who were at that scene that were saying police were like, you know, just uh, moving people out, like, you know, just directing people to get away, basically to run away. But they didn't respond, like, they couldn't respond in that time. And, and I dare to say, question who could? In the, like in that particular instance, so it's just a. I think it's going to be a nuanced complexion or like nuanced answer that we as community members really need to press our elected representatives to speak to honestly and forthright and publicly in particular and engage directly with community members to identify what they need, not just what we think they need. I agree because obviously, and I wrote the name down, Devante. You know, has a question. And I think he just does not know where to go to for the answers that he's looking for. So he chose this body. And though, again, we cannot answer directly, and I might be wrong about that, how, however that's framed within the Brown Act, um, you know, it's obviously would be a, a wonderful thing to be able to offer the community um, feedback, status, uh, information, you know, uh, that, that can be for the community out there. So I just pose that because it, it, it struck me there. But but the last thing that I wanted to mention, uh, this last uh, Saturday pass, uh, the United Latinos, along with the Cruz de Nostra Bar Association, the Hispanic Chamber, and the City of Sacramento hosted a meet and greet with Chief Lesker. And we had a lot of great questions for the chief and talking around, uh, you know, what are some of the plans and, and challenges uh, around uh, what the police have going on. It was very, very well received by the Latino community. There were some very, very tough questions. And uh, unfortunately, and for, and as a member of United Latinas, the chief gave me permission to follow up uh, with her uh, for some of the questions that came along there, which I will be doing. Uh, and the many of the leaders within the community that were there, especially around La Familia, I know are looking to hold uh, you know, either a, 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 an every two month round table with the chief for the Latino community to be able to come and express some of the concerns and such that they still have, because uh, you can't answer it all within a two hour forum. And uh, there are a lot of questions that they have that they still would like to have answered. 
And so again, outside of me as a police commissioner, just letting you know that within the Latino community, there's a movement going on to try to get together with the chief um, on, a, on a regular basis for these. And the chief seems very, very receptive to that, which we're really super excited about. So I wanted to share that and thank everybody for their time. Thank you, Commissioner Falcon. I see uh, Mr. Sparks, you had your hand up earlier. I did, and it was just to remind the commissioners that the purpose of commissioner comments, questions, ideas, or for brief comments, questions, and ideas, not for substantive discussions. So just be careful. You're starting to sort of go astray. Noted, thank you. Uh, commissioner Williamson. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, for Lieutenant Galliano, uh, First off, what again is the name of the uh, record management system the Sacramento Police Department uses? I didn't catch the whole name. Versa term. Versa, okay, oh, got luck on it. Thank you very much. The second is, and again, in the spirit of uh, not having a prolonged discussion, but it does sound like uh, that standoff, as horrible as it was on 58th Street, uh, uh, it, it sounds like there was some level of, of success uh, on the part of SPD in de-escalating and keeping a situation from getting worse. So while we can all be, uh, uh, it's, it's very easy to criticize when things go wrong, but uh, I'm certain there were some lessons learned of what you did that made it go better than it might have otherwise. And I certainly hope your debriefings internally think through what are the things you did right to make sure you do them again next time. And, and just as we can be quick to criticize, we should also recognize when something you know, not of your making, you, you made it come out with a positive outcome. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Um, and the, the third is, uh, any question from SPD on what we could do as a commission in terms of suggestions or support for, how, for effective use of social media when there is a standoff like that? Because given the concern the uh, neighbor uh, uh, who lived there expressed, uh, I know when there's forest fires, the uh, Department of Forestry has uh, sites to keep the public updated. Uh, is, is there in place or would it be helpful for us? What, what could we do as a commission to give you any help in defining how to make effective use of social media when you need to communicate to people in a nearby area when there is something like a standoff? Uh, I will say that uh, SPD does use Twitter and uh, next door uh, social media applications when an incident like that occurs to inform members of the public uh, with information that they that can be shared at the time. Right. Uh, SPD has to be guarded with the information. Yeah, of course. That, you know, the, the hostage taker could be using social media as well to monitor uh, different actions and activities of the police department. But uh, certainly sharing information like Vice Chair Bliss uh, shared uh, such as that incident with the perspective of members of our community with what information would be helpful for officers in the future for us to consider with future trainings um, and how we ask officers to interact with our members of the public is very helpful. Um, and uh, Commissioner Bliss, if that was shared with uh, the police chief, uh, no need, but if not, if possible to uh, send uh, uh, to me uh, via OPSA, it would be much appreciated. And again, thank you, uh, Lieutenant Galliano. 
Great. Any other comments from commissioners? Thank you. We'll see none. Do we have any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Chair, we have no members of the public who wish to make comment for matters not on the agenda this evening. Well, thank you so much. Um, then I believe that this concludes our tonight's agenda. Thank you so much, everyone, for a lively discussion. I think we have a lot of really good work. And again, I think you heard it already, Lieutenant Galeano, but we really appreciate this collaboration that the police department is doing with us, and we look forward to continued collaboration in this form. So thank you so much for your time and for, you know, accidentally I caught you a commissioner, but um, we appreciate you being here. Take it as a compliment and thank you. Okay. Well, with that, hopefully everybody can now go and have some dinner. Meeting adjourned.